Ladies and gentlemen, Morgantown, West Virginia, America, the world, welcome into the broadcast. It is week three of the sports page. We've got so much to talk about and so little time to do it. I'm your host, Luke Wiggs. To my immediate right is Daniel Woods. Logan Moore is wandering around somewhere. He'll join us. That's Logan Moore, not Thomas. Jimmy Gaudio might make an appearance. He sent me a very vague email about whether or not he's going to be on the show. That man is an enigma. That <laughs> is an enigma. Um, and Wrapped then, in a mystery. And then Connor Taylor also might grace us with his presence. Yeah, he's reliable. He's always reliable. They call him Connor Reliable Taylor. You know All they, reliable. You know what they say about those Duke fans? They're reliable. <laughs> sure. All right. Lots to talk about tonight. In my opinion, most underrated period of the sports calendars where we find ourselves right now especially as West Virginians I understand there's a bitter taste in your mouth from WVU football but you're two weeks into the college football season you're two weeks into the high school football season we are on the eve of another NFL season for whatever reason just about the worst Thursday night football matchup to kick off the season but we'll talk about that later on you've got baseball coming to an end by the way, you got World Cup qualifiers. Hey-o. If we had more time, I know we would be dialing Nick Severini's number right here to get him on the air to talk a little uh, football as the Mountaineers. Who, uh, Mountaineers. Who, who, who's the United States playing tonight? Honduras. Honduras. Was it, it was El Salvador they I mean, drew. We could call Nick right now. Canada they drew. You know, if we have, you know, if this is starting to become a lean show, we'll get Severini on the horn. We have that capability now. We do. And we have the technology. We have a phone line. We don't have a delay. So if you call into the show, do not swear. <laughs> How would you say that? Now they know. Now we're not taking any calls this show. We will take calls in the future, though, with the delay. All right, high school football. We always start this show off the rails and have no time to talk about high school football. Isn't that the way radio goes? That is the way radio goes. That's the way the cookie crumbles. And the cookie crumbled in a bad way for Monongalia County Schools, not named Trinity or University High. Yeah. So wow. Monongalia County Schools went 2-1 and one week 1, 2-2 two and two week 2. Clay Vittel and a top-eight matchup lose to East Hardy. Um, the CBs give up 33 unanswered points in that one to lose that one 45-12. They might be without Noah Solis for the rest of the season, which is concerned, but they have a very winnable game upcoming this week against Valley Wetzel. Carson Shriver looked great in the win. And we really haven't seen Drew Bozick released to his, unleashed to his fullest capabilities. We won't spend a ton of time talking about that. CBs a little banged up. Jacob Casse. Uh, he had some bumps and bruises. Hopefully they'll be healthy. Hopefully Sollers will come back, but he did uh, end that game in a boot without his shoulder pads on, so watch for Clay Battelle to take on East Hardy this week. Trinity in action, first time, taking on Bridgeport of Ohio, 1-0. They win a game 28-14 to that they probably should have won about 42-6, to uh, <laughs> but outside of that, a solid week one performance for the Warriors that comes in week two. Levi Teets with three touchdowns on the ground, including two of 25-plus. From a quarterback perspective, Jalen Hill wasn't perfect, but he did what Chris Simpson asked him to. And the defense for Trinity appears to be as formidable as we expected. Anthony Finn and 
uh, Jaden Dobbs as the linebackers in that 4-2-5 scheme were very impressive. And here's the thing about this Trinity program that stands out the most to me. Best player year one, Devon Eldridge, gone. Best player year two, Drew Bozick. I mean, in that system, gone, transfers. Uh, uh, quarterback Garbert. Garbert transfers out as well. And yet, Warriors have weapons. Levi Teets at five foot five is a weapon. He can't ride most roller coasters, but he is a weapon. <laughs> You've got a young offensive line that's agile. Left, left side of the offensive line is two freshmen. Exactly. And all three of Levi Teets' touchdowns came going left. And you've got uh, Kyle Knight, who's an absolute burner in space. You know, he's not maybe the shiftiest laterally, but once he hits a seam, gone. 43 yards is the house untouched on a bubble screen. And then you've got a uh, friend of the program, Ben Lohman, who I would venture to guess, because I haven't heard much about him from that week one game, has yet to be unleashed. But he's six foot three, can high point, because he's got a good leap to him, and could be a weapon for them, specifically in the red zone. That's right. They struggled a little bit with the downfield passing game, not necessarily on the same page on some of those deep shots. Uh, that you're going to see in Chris Simpson's air raid system. But I think they'll get there. I think you've got a quarterback and, again, your deep threat in Ben Lohman. They just have too high of IQs to not link up at some point. So tell us what Trinity's got this week. Uh, Trinity goes to Millersport, Ohio, oh, of suburb, course. suburb of Columbus, a program uh, that at this point is 0-2 on the season, losses to a couple of small Ohio schools, Miami Valley Christian Academy, which if you knew that was a thing, uh, you're, smart, you. you're, you're better than me. And uh, Bishop Rosecrans out of Zanesville, Ohio, a former opponent of the Clay Patel CBs, they lost both of those games by 30-plus points. Uh, so Trinity comes in against a team that's reeling, uh, a program that the Warriors are playing for the first time, so there's not a lot of familiarity there, but it appears to be a winnable Week 3 matchup for the Warriors. I'm hearing rumblings through the wire that uh, Bishop Sycamore might grace an appearance on that Trinity schedule late in the year. You never know. Um so, Trinity... Hey, their, their program is as real as Hannon's right now. <laughs> Don't want the superintendent of Hannon... I was going to say Hannon County Schools. Hannon County, West Virginia. <laughs> hey, I learned my 55 counties in 8th grade, unlike some people in this I room. learned mine in 10th uh, grade, and I only learned them long enough to pass the quiz. All right. Admittedly. I know about half. I, you know what? We'll have to do that sometime. I know you would blow me out of the water, but to have a counties quiz to see how correctly we could identify how many we could identify in the show i mean carrie woods long time monongalia county west virginia studies teacher huge south middle school as well as westwood middle school huge if true um i was i was raised on west virginia studies textbooks by the way um in the media poll for this week for single a clavitel and trinity neither are in it but trinity receiving votes and i want to say that's the first time trinity's received votes they had two. Clay Patel had six, even though they lose to East Hardy. So you're looking at two of these teams that if they, if Clay Patel wins, rattles off three wins in a row, which could very well be possible, if Trinity starts the year 3-0, 4-0, one of those teams is going to be ranked when the power index comes out in the top 16. So that's something to keep an eye on. We'll uh, not spend a ton of time on the AAA schools. Not a lot to talk about in the university front. I can't remember what the score was. I think it was tied at 16-all. They were playing Park South when I was checking the, uh, the score bug when I was updating scores of my game, and then they end up blowing out Parkersburg South in the end. They hand, us, uh, hand them a 60-burger, as that offense is just unbelievable. And University is playing Brook, who's 2-0, and and I think it's going to be another dominant win for John Kelly and the Hawks, and they're going to be really turning some heads as one of those would-be favorites to knock off Martinsburg and AAA. And then you've got Morgantown High, 
due simply to strength of scheduling. I don't think people need to be too concerned that the Mohegans are starting 0-2, as crazy as that sounds. But you lose to Bridgeport, top 6 or 7 program. Obviously, South Charleston the week before that is probably the second-best team in the state behind Martinsburg. So two teams trending very different directions, uh, but still in relative control of their seasons. Uh, that's right. Uh, university is in the driver's seat when it comes to those two triple A teams in Mon County, but I'm not counting Morgantown out yet. You play with, like you said, two at the very least top 10 teams, depending on what you think of Bridgeport, potentially top five, and you've got winnable games coming up. You've got Hedgesville and Woodrow Wilson in the next two weeks. Those are two games that you should win. I, I think where we'll really see what this Morgantown team is made of is with Musselman three weeks from now, mm, yeah. uh, because that's a Musselman team that got taken behind the woodshed by Martinsburg, which everyone, for the most part, gets taken behind the woodshed by Martinsburg these days. Uh, but Musselman is a program that, like Morgantown, has had success in recent years, but is looking to put the pieces back together. They lose Metro News Player of the Year, Blake Hartman, from last year. They lose some other key pieces. And I think if Morgantown knocks off Musselman in three weeks, then you come down the stretch in a situation where you've got a chance to get going into playoff contention uh, with another big game against Wheeling Park, and then you've got games against the two teams that University has blown out, Parkersburg South and John Marshall, before going into the Mohawk Bowl in Week 10. Because to make my bold prediction for the season, I should have said this Week 1, three playoff teams are coming out of Montegelli County. Both triple A's, single A yet to be determined. We'll see what Clay Battelle looks it's like in a back there's win. Four. Could be four. Trinity would have to steal a couple of games against a Cameron or a Madonna, but it's certainly possible that all four high school football programs in Mon County make the playoffs. And that's a godsend from where you look at where this county was two years ago. Well, three years ago, Trinity didn't even have football, right. and their first year, not very good. Clay Battelle has had some lean years since they've made the playoffs in 2014. John Kelly had. Um, uh, Bailey, Clay Bailey, and that team went undefeated in the regular season, and and then they had some lean years of experience, and then you had uh, the coach that was before Beiser, whose name escapes me, uh, Matt Lacey. Matt Lacey, and, and some tougher teams and some tougher schedules for Morgantown High. You had years where no Montegelia County teams were making any noise in the postseason, and you could have four. We'll talk about all four teams as matchups. I'm predicting a win for Clay Battelle, the same for Trinity. I think... Montegelli County teams for the first time are going to go 4-0 this weekend, so we'll have a lot to talk about when we reconvene to start off the sports page next week. Take our first break of the show when we come back. College football, some scares in the Big 12, uh, some marquee top 25 matchups, and a look ahead to some of the tantalizing games we have this week as well. All of that and more coming your way as you're listening to the sports page, 91.7 FM U92. The Moose is your home for the best sports coverage you're going to find here on the campus of West Virginia University. It all starts on Wednesdays from 6 to 10. It's the Sports Block on U92. From 6 to 8, we're talking WVU sports with a tilt towards on-campus coverage. From 8 to 10, it's the Sports Page taking a look at all the national stories you want to hear the U92 sports staff talk about. And at the bottom of every hour, Tune in for breaking news on all the top stories in sports by members of the U92 staff. 
And finally, live sports on U92 The Moose are the bread and butter. Tune in for coverage of both WVU soccer teams, women's basketball, baseball, and WVU hockey. Live on U92, 91.7 FM and U92TheMoose.com. You're not going to want to miss any of the sports here on U92. you want the new and essential college radio, then look no further than the new music pioneer on 91.7. Every Monday through Thursday from 3 to 6 p.m., tune in to hear the newest music from up-and-coming artists, along with some of our favorite throwback tracks. That's every Monday through Thursday, 3 to 6 p.m., the new music pioneer on U92. FM. Pick up a copy of the Daily Athenaeum every Thursday morning from a newsstand on campus. The Daily Athenaeum is WVU's independent, student-run newspaper, reporting on what matters to you, reporting by students, for students. Pick up a copy today and read more at thedaonline.com. Take a walk back in time with U92's own Time Warp. Tune in as we start with the legendary founders of rock and roll from the swinging 50s. Then we move along to the psychedelic 60s to be taken through the British invasion and plenty more. We fly on over to the disco-infused 1970s to hear the origins of punk, synthesizers, and more. We touch down in the electronic 80s. Don't, don't, don't start. Is it classic rock? U92 The Moose has you covered. This is the Time Warp. Remember to tune in every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. until noon, only on 91.7. greatest college football conversation that can be found this side of the Mississippi. Luke Wiggs, Logan Moore, not Thomas, Daniel Woods. As we recap the first week of college football action and then preview the second, we got off to a pretty interesting start, Logan. Game number one, Ohio State, Minnesota. And I understand this is kind of the weird thing about this, the sports pages. It's a, a weekly show so we're going all the way back six days. This is this to our listeners probably feels like four years ago, but we've got to talk about it. Ohio State rolls a little bit of trouble early as they were down at the half to the Gophers. They outscore on 21-7 in the third quarter. This one, C.J. Stroud looked pretty good. We'll talk about the unfortunate situation with Muhammad Ibrahim here in just a second, and I think that injury kind of dispelled the end for the Golden Gophers in their week one upset bid. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that uh... – you know, Ohio State's depth and experience at a receiver really came into play at the end of that game. You saw C.J. Stroud struggle a little bit in the uh, first couple quarters, but he was able to hit, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave for a couple touchdowns over the top and really expose that Minnesota secondary. Um, they had some weakness there, and like you said, Muhammad Ibrahim 
had a great game, you know, but you know that injury um, kind of spelled the end for that game for them. Yeah, and if I'm correct, Daniel, Muhammad Ibrahim, who's one of our favorites on staff, we talked about in our college preview shows out for the season. So that spells a little bit of chaos for a gopher team that was really built around what he was able to do. That's right, and you have Tanner Morgan as your quarterback. He's very good, but you don't necessarily have a Rashad Bateman-type receiver back on this team, which limits your passing game. Muhammad Ibrahim, we were talking about in our college football preview as a dark horse for Big Ten Player of the Year, and at this point, you lose him. He was almost a surefire first-team all-conference selection if everything went to plan. Uh, but now you have to come back and you have to regroup. And I think at this point, we're really going to see what P.J. Fleck is made of as a head coach. You can put together platitudes as much as you want. You can say row the boat as much as you want. We've heard trust the climb a ton here in Morgantown and have yet to see high-level results from it. You're looking at a similar situation at Minnesota uh, with P.J. Fleck with the whole row the boat deal. And I think we're really going to see what this coaching staff for the Golden Gophers is truly made of and what they can bring to that program beyond energy and a can-do attitude. Let me ask you this just out of curiosity before we move on to our first upset of the college football season. Ibrahim put in a pretty solid day at the office before the injury, Daniel. 30 carries, 163 yards, two TDs. He's a senior. Is he getting drafted? Lower leg injury out for the year. I think so. I mean, I that seems like somebody you can take with a third or fourth round right. pick and just be thrilled. That's right. That's the type of guy you get in the mid rounds or even later at this point. And it's not that much of an investment. And it's somebody that you can invest in in terms of player development later down the line. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, th- I think he's a pretty talented player. Uh, we move now to our first upset. Uh, let me go to you on this one, Logan, because you, our college football expert, is going to have to translate exactly what happened in this Virginia Tech-North Carolina game. Number 10 goes down, 17-10. Sam Howell, yeah. we, uh, we sang his praises uh, week one. I didn't think that the lack of weapons was going to be as big of a problem. This one was surreal to me. I didn't get to watch it. I was calling high school football. Clay Patel, unfortunately, loses to uh, East Hardy. That's on the air, Daniel. <laughs> Queued up the no, next song. Not. Yeah, it is. It's pushed yes, out. It oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's just this Whoops. ominous guitar riff. My All bad. right. So you're going to have to translate to me because I wasn't able to watch this game. North Carolina, they're down 14 zip. And I'm thinking, you know, let's relax, pump the brakes. That's just exactly what happened to Ohio State. They can't muster a comeback. And in the end, they lose week one. Yeah. I mean, I think it showed uh, how much talent he really lost last year in the, in the NFL draft. Um, he also had. You know, his number one receiver, Bo Corrales, was out for the game with an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a pretty crazy crowd down in Blacksburg. Um, and I think he just really couldn't put together um, good drives together. He, d- he had really no um, protection on the line. He got sacked, I believe, five or six times, really struggled, and made some bad throws, and, and was pressured a lot. So um, the good news for him in his Heisman campaign that DJ Ugalele and um, – Spencer Rattler both had games where they struggled. It's funny, well. I said the exact same thing. Yeah, Derek you know, King had, too. Yeah, they had you know they had uh, some some games where they struggled. So I think it's going to be a clean slate week two for everyone. Um, but but a disappointing start of the season for UNC. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you next, Daniel. I mean, Hal's certainly not out of the question, but he's going to have to have a pretty spectacular uh, n- next run of form. 
That's right. And I think some of the issues that I talked about with Sam Howell from an NFL perspective cropped their heads up in this game as well. Locking on to receivers, leading defenders to his primary reads with his eyes, and against a quality defensive backfield like Virginia Tech, you can't afford to do that. And it ended up being an interception that sealed this game. And those turnovers, if UNC can't hold on to the ball, then you're in some pretty serious trouble. Their defense, I would say, with Mac Brown, at least as the head coach, is as good as it's ever been since he took over as the head coach. The problem is you've had a much more potent offense to make up for poor defense in previous years, and you would like those to even out a little bit at this point. I tell you, it does scare me from an NFL draft standpoint for everything we just said about Ibrahim being a godsend, tumbling down boards. I'm thinking to myself as a Raider fan, if we go 9-8, and eight, I don't know if I no longer want Sam Howell to be the 18th pick in this draft. first-round quarterback in this draft? <sighs> Brock Purdy. No, uh, there's definitely not. Rattler's the only one that I would say is in the conversation right and now. And he didn't even play that well. He, he was efficient, say, for some, inter- I mean, there some, are for people, some turnovers. There are people that have said that this is not the quarterback class you want to thank for. It's going to be next year. I totally agree. Um, You've got DJ and JT Daniels, who obviously we'll talk about here shortly. JT Daniels doesn't come out this year? Does he come out this year? He could. Come he out could come out. He, he could, could come, come out this year. I mean, he could he if could he's the. He year. could end That's up being true. the runaway favorite because he sat out a year. He only comes out if he knows he's going to be the first pick in the draft. Because then, yeah. if not, he'll come back and be the first pick in the draft next year, right. or at least up in the top three. Um, I'll give you the option here. Uh, Is Matt Corral, the best quarterback in this draft. You know what? Heisman, Matt Corral's Heisman. my my Heisman favorite yeah, now. There you go. Um, and yeah. Anyways. A couple of top 25 matchups to talk about. Excuse me. Number one and number two is one that I wanted to move on to next. And, Logan, I'll give you the option. Take your pick here. Number one, Alabama beats number 14, uh, Miami. De'Eric King, again, another Heisman, maybe hopeful. Not very good in this game. Bryce Young is amazing. He's your Heisman favorite after week one. Obviously, Daniel said you can't pick your Heisman winner after week one. I get that. But it'd be crazy if you win the Heisman as a freshman year because then where do you go? Uh, And then Oklahoma – Squeaks out a, a win against Tulane, 40-35. to 35. Spencer Rattler was efficient in that game. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you, Logan. Which one caught your eye more? You know, I, I think I would say probably Oklahoma-Tulane, if I'm being honest. I, I think, you know, Miami's a bit overrated. Um, good performance by the, by the Crimson Tide. But I would say uh, Oklahoma and Tulane, I think Tulane exposed some weaknesses in Oklahoma's defense. Um, and Rattler made some mistakes that teams later on down the road in the Big 12 play are going to be looking forward to try to have him continue to make those mistakes. Um, Rattler actually wasn't too bad, 30 or 39 for 304, um, but a couple interceptions just weren't great. Um, so I would say Oklahoma you know, showed some key weaknesses coming into Big 12 play. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mentioned the other one, you mentioned Miami getting rolled by good old Roll Tide. Uh, the top five matchup we had this week, Georgia dispatching Clemson 10-3, to the final score of that one. Daniel, and you were correct when you picked Georgia. You have a lot of expectations for the Bulldogs coming into the season. JT Daniels was fine. Nobody was great in this game except the Georgia defense, of course, and that offensive line that held probably the best front four uh, in college football to just two sacks. Uh, Ten to three, your final score. My biggest takeaway from this game, though, is I think for this to be best-case scenario for both of these two programs, for each to succeed – this is the result you needed because Clemson's going to run the table in the ACC and probably win the conference championship game. And Georgia has now the wiggle room to stumble in a game or lose to Alabama in the conference tournament or conference tournament, conference championship game uh, to where 
if for both of these teams to make it to the college football playoff, this was probably the best result. I think so. It was a very competitive game, obviously. It was a game that had a lot of back and forth in terms of defense. It had a lot of back and forth in terms of teams getting stops. Obviously, 10-3, there weren't a lot of points. I think, however, you did see one of the things that sets these programs apart, which is quality special teams. You saw Will Spires and the, the Georgia punter's name who's escaping me right now. Uh, but you saw those guys consistently pinning their teams inside their opponents, I should say, pinning them inside the 20, consistently setting up to flip the field, consistently setting up their opponents to have long drives. And with quality defenses out on the field, that's a weapon. We've seen that in college football for years. That's a weapon to be able to set up field position with a good punt. Obviously, with two teams of that caliber, you would like to see better offensive performances, but I was encouraged with things that I saw from both teams. The one thing that is screaming in my face right now is the complete inability for Clemson to run the ball in that game. I get that you lose Travis Etienne, who is an NFL first-round pick, obviously. But you go beyond that, you have someone in Lynn J. Dixon who was his backup for several years. He doesn't get a touch until the third quarter. You have a five-star freshman in Will Shipley who, given, looked the best out of their running back options, but still was not able to be very efficient in that game. So that's the hanging question I have for Clemson. I fully believe that George is going to be able to open up the offense in SEC East play. I fully believe that Clemson is going to be able to put the points on the board in the ACC. But when it comes to another game like this, whether it's a conference championship game or even a, a college football playoff game, I'm very concerned that Clemson cannot run the ball against a front like Georgia's. Anything to add to that, Logan? No, I mean, I'm like, like he said, I mean, Lynn J. Dixon won carry the entire game. Um, as a team, they had two rushing yards. Um, so you're not going to, you know, you can't show up in a game like that, three versus five, expect to win, um, having you know two team rushing yards. So um, just have to, you know, now ACC play is going to be a lot easier than Georgia, but um, the rushing game has to improve. You typing in nuclear launch codes over there, Daniel? What's a Actually, Luke, considering the fact that we're beginning to release this show as a podcast, I should probably be logged in to be able to upload it at the end of the show. All right, fair enough. Uh, here's what we're going to do for the remaining games because we have to talk about this upcoming schedule. There's a lot of good games to talk about, so we're going to do this. We're going to go rapid fire. Uh, you keep your comments 60, 90 seconds. Logan, I'll start with you. We'll bounce back and forth between you and Daniel, so one person to comment on each game. We'll begin with Iowa State against Northern Iowa. 16-10. to 10, Cyclones uh, pull away late. This game was 13-10 at half, and then the two teams combined for just three points in the second half. That was an Iowa State field goal. Uh, McIlvain was the leading passer in this game. Brees Hall was somewhat contained on the ground. Brock Purdy with a decent 50 yards rushing. Big concern here for Iowa State, or is this a blip? Uh, just a blip. I think they're uh, probably looking forward to this week's matchup with Iowa. Huge, huge matchup, Big especially time. what Iowa did to uh, Indiana this past weekend. So um, I think uh, I'll probably just look forward a little bit. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Cincinnati, Miami of Ohio, Daniel, number eight, Bearcats, 49-14. to 14. Uh, They also then turned their attention to games elsewhere as their two best non-conference opponents in Notre Dame nearly lost, and then Indiana, who did lose. If Notre Dame loses, that's brutal to the strength of schedule to a Cincinnati team that wants to uh, have a firm grip on the college football playoff. Desmond Ritter throws for 300 yards, four touchdowns, Bearcats dominant. Uh, that's right, and I think you're going to see that trend throughout the year for Cincinnati, obviously playing in the AAC. 
Cincinnati program that officially submitted its application to the Big 12 today. Uh, but you move beyond that, and if there's going to be a group of five team make the playoff, it's very funny that the team with the best chance to do that is Cincinnati, which will be going into a Power 5 conference in the very near future. Uh, but a, a very strong performance against a pretty game Miami of Ohio team. That's not a bad program, and they should compete in the MAC themselves. Uh, but Ritter looks great. That team has every uh, ability to be the first group of five team to make the playoffs. Cincinnati, by the way, submitted their or is going to submit their request to join the Big 12 here in the next couple of days. And then the AAC comes out and says, we're not going to let them leave. We're going to make it a power six. So, Oresco, man, he, he that man does not log off. That, 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 that's the man that never sleeps. That man is perpetually online. Yeah, we were talking about Heisman Trophy candidates. Desmond Ritter is, is, is a dark horse to, ride, to watch that's this fair. year. You're not wrong. Oregon, number 11, they fend off Fresno State. I had no idea how close of a game this was until Derek Carr mentioned it on Twitter. Shout out my boy Derek. Jake Hayner, decent day at the office, 300 yards passing in a TD, but Oregon pulls away in the end. Yeah, same thing we just talked about with Iowa State. Looking forward to a much larger match, in my opinion, at Iowa State-Iowa this week against Ohio State. Um, so I think, I think they're, you know, uh, I think they're just kind of looking forward to that, and I think uh, they're ready to go to the horseshoe and see if they can knock off the number four team in the country. Penn State, Wisconsin, Daniel, 19 versus 12. The number 19 wins in Penn State. These two teams were scoreless at the half. I, myself, am trying to do everything I can to become as big a college football fan as you guys. Everyone's making such a big deal. College football is back. And then the marquee game to kick off at noon is a little bit boring, but Sean Clifford at the end gets the win. The word for this game is yucky because it was yucky. Not a fan of anything that I saw on the field. I was really looking forward to seeing Graham Mertz potentially take a year-two jump as the second-year starter for Wisconsin. After watching Notre Dame and Florida State, which we can talk about, I'm sure, at some point, it looks like Wisconsin may have been better off keeping Jack Cohn around. <laughs> Meanwhile, Penn State, not great. They still win this game. They get a key interception uh, coming down the stretch. But Sean Clifford, man, it's just not come together. It's just not clicking. It's just not clicking. And they've got a stable in the backfield that has some very high pedigree, but also has yet to have anyone pop. So I'm not sure either of these teams is worthy of the ranking they came into this week with. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to the next game. Uh, another top 25 opponent goes down to a non-ranked team. This one I predicted from the second I saw on the schedule. Ed Ogeron is not going to be the coach at LSU by the end of the season. You can take that to the bank. As LSU loses to UCLA, 38-27 to in this one. Max Johnson, uh, not in terms of completion percentage, but he logs 330 yards and three touchdowns, but nowhere near enough for them to beat UCLA. He also made the best throw of all time. It's fair. I did if see If it had been completed, it would have been one of the best. I did see time. that. Yes. But uh, your thoughts, Logan? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Chip Kelly's offense seems to be going well. I mean, Zach Charbonnet, uh, the Michigan transfer, I thought he did a really good job. Um, but no rushing game. I mean, their best rusher was Davis Price with 31 yards on 13 carries. Um, Max Johnson, I thought, was pretty good for either a retro freshman, retro sophomore. Um, yeah. Hey, he's beaten some teams before he beat Florida last year. Yeah. So Just uh, couldn't beat UCLA at UCLA. Marco Wilson kind of beat well, Florida. Yeah, so, I mean, I think – Semantics at this point. I, I, I'm not going to go as far as you. I think I think they will rattle off some games. I think Ogeron will get another year. Um, but I think next year might be his last year uh, in Baton Rouge. Uh, team, you were somewhat high on coming into this season, Daniel. In Indiana, they lose to Iowa 34-6. to 
That's number 18 beating number 17. Michael Penix buns uh, in this game, unfortunately, throws three INTs. Um, bounce back now for Indiana, or is this going to be a 500 season? That's a great Iowa defense. I don't want to not give them credit. Iowa is very good. But I'm very disheartened by what I saw out of Indiana. I, I think they really missed Stevie Scott in the backfield, who was just that guy that could get you the tough yards really any time that you needed him to. And we just didn't see that against Iowa. Penix was not great. I think he'll be able to bounce back. But, again, the dream of 9 or 10 Windiana is probably out the window. Windiana. Classic. Montana knocks off number 20, Washington Logan. 13-7 to was the score of this game. Another snooze fest. It was 7-3 to entering the fourth quarter before Montana uh, rattled off 10 uh, unanswered points. Dylan Morris was okay for Washington, uh, but needless to say, number 20 Washington will not be ranked for at least the, the short time being. Yeah, they don't think it'll be ranked for a while. I think it might have been a uh, uh, poor judgment to rank them that high in the first place. Like you said, Dylan Morris, not a terrible game, but three interceptions aren't gonna aren't gonna help anything. So I think you know I think they might have been a little overrated to begin with. Um, and the Pac-12 had some interesting wins and some interesting losses this week. Um, kind of an up and down conference, I think. Louisiana, Texas, Daniel, we all had our doubts about the Longhorns coming into this season, and then playing card shows up, uh, and is pretty solid in his first win. We all thought the Raging Cajuns were going to knock Texas out of the rankings in the top 25, which seemed to be uh, what had happened uh, under Herman in years past in Texas. But the Longhorns looked phenomenal today, or that game, I should say. 38-18 to the final. Bajan Robinson, you brought to my attention – really starting to develop in the passing game, not to mention he hit the century mark on the ground with 100 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Whittington, very good as well. Uh, and Texas, in terms of power rankings, not just how we're going to rank them, because I understand Oklahoma still wins and they're not going to move out of the top five. In terms of power rankings, Texas was the most impressive team in the Big 12. I have to agree in that regard. Texas looked really good against a quality Louisiana program. Uh, like you said, Hudson Card doing what he's capable of. Beyond that, Robinson obviously looks great. Texas defense looks solid, made Levi Lewis a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm relatively positive about the Longhorns going forward. It's a bit of a weird weird decision that by Sar- Sarkeesian to play Card and Thompson. I uh, played Thompson in the second half. I thought it was a little weird, uh, a little bit strange decision. Yeah, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying there. Card looked good. You know, you know, you t- know, look good. That's why I would say. What's, what, what's ironic is it was a bad week for Sam Howell. Uh, it was a bad week for De'Eric King. It was a bad week-ish for JT Daniels. Two freshman quarterbacks, Hudson Card, and uh, why can't I remember the Alabama uh, uh, Bri- uh, Bri- uh, Bri- Bryce, Bryce Young, Bryce Young uh, stole the show. Uh, and Bryce Young, like I said, is probably your runaway Heisman favorite, albeit after just one game. Last game to talk about here, and that was the game that happened last night. Uh, last time we'll have college football on a Sunday as the NFL begins, and our NFL segment will begin here in about 20 minutes. Notre Dame takes overtime, dispatch Florida State. Jack Cohen, like you mentioned, 366 yards, four touchdowns. Deshaun Corbin was great in the ground for FSU. Their quarterback goes down after throwing three interceptions. Mackenzie Milton comes in, 
who might be the starter for Florida State next week. Unfortunately for the Seminoles, they cannot pull off the upset in overtime. I still think it was a very good showing. Absolutely. I mean, it's a team that, that some people might have bailed on Mike Norvell already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is a good showing to to go up with a Notre Dame team like that. I think Notre Dame needs to improve on their defense. You know, new defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. Um, they really need to improve that defense because I think Jack Cohn might be the best pure throw of the football that Brian Kelly has ever had at Notre Dame. Um, so if that defense can step up and, and Jack Cohn keeps playing at that level, um, I think this is a team that could be either 11 or 12-0 and 0 going into uh, uh, bowl, bowl season. We came on the air for the segment about 8-17, and in that time, up until now, Daniel has been trying to log into iTunes, and from what I understand is still not successful. Podcast might not be available on iTunes yet. It will be on Spotify as soon as we're done here. All right, perfect. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we've got some marquee matchups coming up in college football in week two that we'll talk about on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Sports Page on U92. Year two of Mountaineer soccer under Dan Stratford can be heard all season long on U92. Tune in 30 minutes before every home game and select road games as we bring you comprehensive coverage of the Mountaineers on the pitch. U92 is also the only place for talk sports radio dedicated specifically for men's and women's soccer. Find the kickabout with host Liam Bellin every Wednesday night from 7 to 8. 91.7 FM presents Mountaineer Soccer Live, a service of U92 Sports. This Saturday, September 11th, U92 The Moose is proud to present for the very first time live play-by-play of West Virginia University Mountaineer football on 91.7 FM and U92TheMoose.com. At 2 p.m., the Touchdown City tailgate takes over the airwaves, getting you ready for the day in college football at home and around the country. At 4 o'clock, we'll have live pregame coverage from Milan Pushkar Stadium with Jacob Janoski, Liam Bellin, and Logan Moore ahead of a 5 p.m. kickoff between the Mountaineers and the Long Island University Sharks. Daniel Woods and Luke Wiggs have the play-by-play as the Mountaineers look for win number one on the season. Don't miss it for the first time ever. Live play-by-play of West Virginia football on 91.7 FM and U92TheMoose.com. Using cannabis, also known as marijuana, can have short-term negative effect on learning and memory among young adults. Research has shown that cannabis users perform lower on tests of learning relative to non-users up to three days after consuming cannabis. However, there were no significant differences between users and non-users at two and three weeks after consuming cannabis. If someone chooses to consume cannabis, it's recommended that they plan their use in such a way as to minimize the negative impacts on their academic goals. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. 
That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back into the sports page, 91.7 FM. You. Thank you. 99 Red Balloons, says Daniel Woods. A favorite of Kerry Woods, from what I understand. Friend of the program. Yep. Um, he loves it. Big, big fan. All right, so uh, we were talking during the break. We'll take a close look at the two biggest matchups, and then we'll get our experts to pick a couple more. Uh, Logan was very apt to point out that Kansas, after storming their field in a week one victory, are going to get absolutely clattered by Grayson McCall and 17th ranked uh, Coastal Carolina, unless Daniel Woods wants to shock the world and come out with that upset pick. I didn't think so, so let's move on. Ohio State, Oregon is going to be the big one. C.J. Stroud put up 300 yards, four TDs in his game number one. This is a game that means a decent bit to Ohio State, but it means everything to the Pac-12. You've got an entire conference rooting for you there, Logan. Is that enough? I don't know. It's going to be. Uh, it's interesting. I think we saw C.J. Stroud, you know, in you know, in the middle, you know, ten yards and shorter wasn't quite as great as he was over the top. So if Oregon's defense, their back end of their defense, it can it can stop Chris Olave uh, and Garrett Wilson from going over the top, um, I think Oregon has a chance. They have a lot of people rooting for him. It's going to be a great game, but I just don't see at the end of the day. I think. Ohio State's going to win. Here's what's interesting, Daniel. These two teams are nine spots apart from each other in the AP Top 25. That's number three against number 12. However, Ohio State is favored by 14 and a half points. It's a big spread for teams that are still ranked in the Top 25 within nine spots of each other. That's right. Turn your mic on. Thank you for that. Uh, that's right. I don't love this Oregon team after one week. Uh, I've never been sold that Anthony Brown is this godsend quarterback that transferred in from Boston College <laughs> for some reason. Powerhouse. Uh, you have Tyler Shuck, who's now at Texas Tech, who for some reason Mario Cristobal decided Anthony Brown was a better option then and then had Anthony Brown compete with two true freshmen in the fall. I think Mario Cristobal is a great coach, but I really don't buy this Oregon team as the the great final hope uh, for the Pac-12 conference this year. I think this one might get ugly in a hurry, considering it's at the horseshoe. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. It's a pretty ambitious spread, but I'm never going to. I'm not a betting man, specifically because you lay game points in a game like this, very similar to what we thought about Alabama and Miami, and then it turns out that one team is just head and shoulders more class than the other other top 10 matchup this week Iowa against Iowa State the game is in Ames Brock Purdy again a very pedestrian performance to a man I have not given up on my soul belongs to Brock Iowa State's 1-0 they're number 9 emphatic. 
Uh, Iowa, they're number 10, also 1-0. Iowa now has increased their nation's longest streak of 23 consecutive games with holding an opponent under 25 points or more. That's going to happen again, but I don't think Iowa State needs to score 25 points to win this game. I don't, I don't think they do. Um, I think they can. I think Brock Purdy can step up and show us that why he was one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 last year. Um, I, I really like Iowa in this one, to be honest with you, though. I think their schedule is pretty favorable. Um, you know, playing in that section of the Big Ten, they go very unnoticed a lot of the times. So you end up in these matchups at, in the Big Ten championship game where Iowa somehow is 11-1 and or 12-0. and We forget about them. I think that something could absolutely happen here. We could see an Iowa team that's 11-1 and or 12-0 and going in, probably playing Ohio State in the Big Ten championship this year. Hmm. But I think that um, – I think Iowa's going to bring it home this year. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, admittedly, I lean the way of Iowa State. Like I said, big purdy boy. Uh, Iowa State's favored by four and a half, which I, I think is a like little that. bit generous. Again, if I were yeah. a betting man, I would stay away from this one. Daniel, your thoughts? I think it's a stay away as well. I like Iowa in this game to win outright. Uh, the Cyhawk game, which is what they insist on calling it, even though there's a better name that I can't say on the air that college football Twitter has for it. <laughs> uh, but I think this is g- going to be a game that is very ugly. It's going to be very physical. There's going to be a lot of Brees Hall. There's going to be a lot of several running backs for Iowa. There's going to be some bad quarterback play on both sides. I have a feeling. I get that Brock Purdy gets Charlie Kohler back this week, but it wasn't pretty against Northern Iowa. I can't imagine it being much better against Kirk Ferentz and the boys from Iowa City. So this is not going to be a fun football game to watch. I would not lay money on it in any way, shape, or form. If you are not a sucker for pain, I would not consider watching this game. So, sure, this is a football game. (laughs) That is happening. Both of these teams should be pretty good this year. Weird things happen when these two teams meet. Weirder things happen when they meet in Ames. College game day is going to be there. This is a recipe for witchcraft and tomfoolery. I'm taking Iowa but I'm staying as far away from this game as possible beyond picking who's going to win. Yeah, all right. There you go. Iowa State against Iowa, the other marquee matchup. We'll have you guys pick some games here uh, in just a moment. We're going to put Daniel Woods on the spot, however. This is going to be interesting. And I, I want to make this I'm a not prepared for this. I want to make this a staple if we have time in the show. Logan, you're welcome to chime in, but no cheating, so stay on the tab that you are right now. Okay. I'm going to play a game okay. called Guess – the lowest ticket price for a top 25 football matchup. There we already are talked about one. TCU and Cal aren't in the top 25, are they? They are not. Okay. Two games you can get into for a measly six bucks. Six dollars. One of which will surprise the heck out of you. The other one, not so much. Can you guys have uh, – it, it's obviously not a top 25 against a top 25, but it is right. a top 25 against somebody. Do you guys have any guesses as to what can games I those are? I have the AP poll in front of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as it doesn't have the ticket price next to it. Okay. Uh, how many guesses do we get? As many as you want. We're, we're going to Carolina, Kansas. No. Forty dollars to get in. One moment, game. please. I'm. Uh, ESPN's going to have it next to it. Let me pull up the AP Top Twenty Five. <laughs> we got silence here on the radio. We're good. We're good. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, Sports Page U ninety two the Moose. We're guessing the lowest ticket price for a top twenty five matchup this week. This is interesting. Our NFL segment will be up next. Connor Taylor will join us. I, I, I have one. I just need to know who the opponent is. 
Going to give you guys about another minute. Murray State at Cincinnati. Is that correct? Wow. I know. Those tickets are $17. Okay. Miami, Appalachian State? Nope. $26. All right. We got closer that time. $6. $6. Now Virginia Tech's too big a program. Too big. But, like I said, one of these will surprise you. One of these will surprise you. One of them. UNLV at Arizona State. Nope. Wow. Wow, that's people in Arizona don't care about football. <laughs> Florida, South Florida. Nope. Mm. Well, I'll give you guys each one more guess. One more. What is this? Communist China? <laughs> Georgia State at North Carolina. Nope. Fine. Fifteen dollars. Uh, Daniel's out. Ball State, Penn State. No. Ole Miss Austin P. Mm. Six dollars. Well, Alabama Mercer. No. You can get into Bryant Denny Stadium no. for six dollars this week. Stop weekend. it. Stop the presses. Stop it. All right, that, that wow. is conclude. This concludes this week's edition of which top twenty five matchup tickets cost the Uncle least. Uncle Nick would never. <laughs> He's a good old boy from Monongah. And then I believe for those of you keeping track at home, it's the Iowa Iowa State games the most expensive at $180. There you go. All right. Why anyone would pay $180 to see that? I do not know. I'll be watching it on television. I probably won't. We're going to be calling a game when that's going Hey, oh. By the way, U92 has play-by-play of an LIU game. All right, guys. Uh, last thing before we conclude the segment. Now that you guys have familiarized yourselves with matchups, and it does not have to be in the top 25, I myself am a student of all things college football, always willing to learn. Uh, and I would like you guys to tell me each one matchup that intrigues you both. I will start by saying that the fighting Kyle Wiggses and Southern Illinois University – who looked phenomenal last week, are going to beat Kansas State this weekend. I'm betting the house on it. Southern Illinois is going to be 2-0. They're going to beat Kansas State. Logan, your game of the week that you're watching. Um, I got an interesting one. I think it's Appalachian State at Miami. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think that could be a huge upset. I think, uh, obviously, Miami struggled a little bit um, in Atlanta against Alabama, and I think that they're still reeling from that loss. And I think a, a very talented, underrated Appalachian State team can go down to Miami, uh, former Duke quarterback, Chase Bryce can can make some plays, and I think uh, that's my game of the week. I think they're going to upset Miami. All right. Bold take. It's not my game of the week, but I'll probably be tuned in for it at noon on Saturday just because memes. Uh, Pittsburgh and Tennessee should be absolutely gross. Kenny Pickett versus Joe Milton. Who's not here for that? Pat Narduzzi and Josh Heupel. Come on. Uh, But in in all actuality, um, I'll probably – once we get done at Milan Pushkar Stadium, it's going to be late. I'm going to be looking for some Pac-12 after dark action. Uh, I'm going to be looking for bed, but continue. All right. The Civil War, Utah at BYU, is always entertaining, mostly just because you just have people getting bit and punched and eyes gouged and anything in between. Just your regular old day at Fratton Park for Portsmouth. Exactly. Utah is a seven-point favorite in that game, but they're going to Provo. Should be a very interesting game. I like Utah in that matchup. I like what they're doing with Charlie Brewer, but a very interesting game in my opinion. I think Stanford at USC, uh, because that could be a game that spells the end for Clay Helton. Uh, for the All right. So I think there's a little hot seat action. There's a lot on the line for these first couple of weeks. There I think it's a little too late out the door. It's a little too late for it uh, in this segment. But uh, the the dearly departed Nick Severini did uh, weekly check in on the coach's hot seat website. We should probably start doing that. Oh, that's a good point. We'll have to do that next week. Thank you for reminding me of that, Daniel. By the way, 
I'm again going to double down. Tickets as cheap as $20 for Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Nick Baker threw for four touchdowns last week for the Salukis, and they're going to beat Kansas State. Deuce Vaughn, who? It's Saluki season. You can see Indiana State at Northwestern for $2. Oh, that's getting that's in surprising. for free. That's surprising. There's like 12 seats at Northwestern State. Why have tickets for $2? Tickets it's like, as $2. Why have tickets for 2 I, I guess you have to Great have a question. physical. Like, for me, I'm just handing them out on the street. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, we can't do a full segment on it, but would you guys like to guess who's number one on CoachesHotSeat.com yeah. right now? Ed Ogeron. Um, oh, oh, wow. Uh, Scott Frost. Scott Frost. Ah, uh, it's Scott Frost. On Scott Frost Day, no less. That's it is not Scott Frost Day. Okay, thanks. He's not going to make it halfway through the year. Yeah, I, I think point. there's going to be a good group of changes at the top. Logan, thank you for joining us. You're going to join us this Saturday for Absolutely. our Mountaineer coverage of LIU. You'll be on for pregame, halftime, and post. Very excited to have you. Absolutely. It's going to be a great time. And always a pleasure to have you on the sports page. Take a break. When we return, we'll swap out Logan for Connor Taylor. Week one of the NFL kicks off with a disgusting Thursday night football matchup. We'll talk about that and some other marquee matchups in the NFL. Uh, after this, you're listening to the sports page on U92. Ever wanted to get into college radio or just get your voice out there? The Moose is always hiring volunteers. All are welcome. Just visit u92themoose.com and at the menu, click Staff and Contact or Join U92 The Moose. We hope to see you. U92 The Moose is your home for the best sports coverage you're going to find here on the campus of West Virginia University. It all starts on Wednesdays from 6 to 10. It's the Sports Block on U92. From 6 to 8, we're talking WVU sports with a tilt towards on-campus coverage. From 8 to 10, it's the Sports Page taking a look at all the national stories you want to hear the U92 sports staff talk about. Then, at the bottom of every hour, Tune in for breaking news on all of the top stories in sports by members of the U92 staff. And finally, live sports on U92 The Moose are the bread and butter. Tune in for coverage of both WVU soccer teams, women's basketball, baseball, and WVU hockey. Live on U92, 91.7 FM, and U92TheMoose.com. You're not going to want to miss any of the sports here on U92. If you want the new and essential college radio, then look no further than the new music pioneer on 91.7. Every Monday through Thursday from 3 to 6 p.m., tune in to hear the newest music from up-and-coming artists, along with some of our favorite throwback tracks. That's every Monday through Thursday, 3 to 6 p.m., the new music pioneer on U92. FM. U92, your exclusive home for radio play-by-play of Mountaineer Club Hockey. Hear every bone-crunching check, powerful wrister, and all the extracurriculars here on 91.7 FM. Coverage of every home game from Mountaineer Ice Arena here on U92 The Moose. We'll see you there. Roll the windows down and cruise along to the acoustic sounds of Americana, folk, gospel, and more. Unity to the Moose brings you alternate routes. Tune in every Sunday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. Only on 91.7.
Just because you miss Day of Giving doesn't mean you can't donate to U92 The Moose. If you ever want to make a donation to support your favorite non-for-profit, non-commercial college radio station, email us at u92atmail.wvu.edu. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Raiders are going undefeated after that. I mean, let's just get that out of the way. Thank you for that, Daniel Woods. I very much appreciate that. You're not welcome. <laughs> Second to last segment we have here on the sports page. We take a look at the NFL uh, week one schedule and games to come. Connor Taylor joins us, and I don't know why you decided to make Cowboys Buccaneers the first game of the season on Thursday Night Football. But it is a sucky way to start the season, I think. This game's going to be competitive if a combined 100 points are scored. Because that's the only way I think the Cowboys are going to be able to make this a game. It's, it's not the best opening game, <laughs> to, to be fair. But it, it is football, mm-hmm. and it's, it's going to be exciting. I mean, the, the storylines are sort of fun. We're going to see Dak, how he plays against. It's not, it's not a good game to come back to, by any means, coming off the injuries, coming off of. And I think the offense is going to struggle. It's, it's going to be hard for him a lot. But also, I, I don't see the Buccaneers coming out, you know, guns a-blazing by any means. I, I think it's just going to be a, a sluggish game. It won't be that exciting. But maybe we'll get a high-scoring one, but I, I kind of doubt it at this moment. Tampa Bay favored by 8.5, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that, Daniel. Um, Cowboys really struggle to stop anybody on defense. Nick Martin, who some may say is the best interior lineman in the NFL, they would be wrong but he is among the best interior linemen in the NFL. Uh, they're missing a linebacker whose name escapes me. He's going to be out as well. Um, we knew how good Dak was two years ago. It was an unbelievable outlier season. As statistically, he shot up across the board as he threw the ball so much. That's the kind of Dak you need for the Cowboys to be successful this year, and this is the kind of game you need to win. Uh, that's right. I think we're going to see what the Cowboys are made of right away. And if Jacob Janoski's professions of this is the year – are going to come true. We'll know pretty quickly. Ezekiel Elliott just runs into people. He doesn't go around them anymore. Uh, I don't really love his outlook for this season. You don't know what you're getting from Dak coming back healthy. They could, in terms of pound for for pound raw talent, have the best combination of three wide receivers in the league. Uh, But I just don't see it coming together defensively. Like you said, Zach Martin out the offensive line may not be up to par for a potentially less mobile Dak. I'm not loving the Cowboys this year. I'm not loving them week one against Tampa either. Yeah, I definitely didn't pick them to win this division. I think Washington's coming out. Uh, we'll just kind of go in order here, and for some of these kind of lower-profile games, we won't spend as much time on. Uh, Eagles-Falcons is going to kick off at 1 p.m. on Sunday. The Jalen Hurts experience begins for the first time full-time, and uh, – Philadelphia. I have 
may or may not have gone on the record as saying that Jalen Hurts could be the first 4,000, 1,000 quarterback in NFL history this season. You may or may not be a crazy person. Devontae Smith's going to be healthy, I believe. Um, the Falcons still have Matt Ryan. They still have uh, Calvin Ridley. Kyle Pitts is going to have to step up in a big way for them to recreate. Dirk Cutter's gone, by the way, so they're probably not going to throw the ball a million times a game. Mike Davis takes over as their starter at running back. This game isn't interesting to me, Connor, in terms of playoff implications. It's just more so interesting to me to see what Jalen Hurts looks like, what Mike Davis looks like outside of Carolina as an actual starting running back, not backing up Christian McCaffrey, what Ridley looks like without Julio, what Devontae Smith looks like as a wide receiver. One, can Philadelphia actually draft a true wide receiver? So this is going to be one of those games that you don't park on, but you flip back and forth and you're very aware of what the score is going to be. Yeah, there, you're not you're not picking this game at the 1 p.m. time slot to to sit on for sure. But I think, like you're saying, there's there's tons to watch. There's exciting things, like you mentioned, Calvin Ridley. We got to see what he can do. We also got to see who's that second option behind Calvin Ridley. Will it be Kyle Pitts? Will it be Russell Gage? And then, like you mentioned as well, Mike Davis. I I'm pretty high on Mike Davis to be honest. Maybe more on the fantasy aspect, just because he'll get a ton of touches. But I think he can be sustainable enough in. Uh, Atlanta, and I think uh, Matt Ryan has enough weapons to be able to put up a sustainable offense overall. But on the Eagles side, I think Jalen Hurts is going to struggle tomorrow. I mean, Sunday. Excuse me. <laughs> In our minds, Sunday is, is always tomorrow. Uh, Daniel, if we were picking this game, I think we'd pick the Falcons unless Jalen Hurts has his start to that 4,000-1,000 season. I'm with you on that. I, I don't see it going very differently from that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, a more interesting game, and we'll keep this one parked on you, Daniel, because you like the directions the Steelers were heading in the offseason, bring in Najee Harris. Obviously, you lose Bud Dupree, but Ben, we hear this every offseason, Ben lost weight, he's kind of mobile again, but that might be the case this year. That sounds familiar. You've got depth at wide receiver. You don't have active servicemen starting on your offensive line, but you run Where into Where does that reference come from? Last year. They had members the of the United States. Oh, okay. I thought that was the Steelers. I think the Steagles. Same difference. You you mixing up? Uh, you run Alejandro into Villanueva? Yeah, you run into a Buffalo buzzsaw week one. This is not going to be pretty. You don't think so? I'm not confident going into week one for the Steelers. Uh, I think this team has the ability to make the playoffs. I don't know that they will. I think their best case is probably. To see Baltimore struggle this year and be the number two team coming out of the AFC North, if not, I think they're fighting for a wild card spot as the number three. I think Buffalo has a chance to be in the Super Bowl this year. I fully believe that with the athleticism they have on defense, with Josh Allen, with Stephon Diggs, uh, with the variety of developing weapons they have. I'm really high on Gabriel Davis becoming their number two potentially this year. I think one of Devin Singletary or Zach Moss is going to take hold of that backfield at some point. And that all spells trouble for the Steelers, who I see at best as a 10-6 and six team this year. 10-7. 10-7. There's 17 games. I don't pay attention to this league except during the season. <laughs> it's 10 and 7 team I think at best for the Steelers this year. I think they will compete. I think they lose by double digits. I'll take that and raise you that the Steelers are going to win this game. Josh Allen let, Let's be real about the efficiency that we saw from Josh Allen like let's pump the brakes, okay? He loses John Brown, not quite as good along the offensive line. Still subpar running back play. I, I think he runs into the opposite 
be buzzsaw, which in this case is Ben Roethlisberger. I think the Steelers start 1-0. Ben is phenomenal on game one, or week one, I should say, every single season. Najee Harris is a complete wild card because you don't know exactly how they're going to deploy him in the offense. The same can be said with Pat Fryermuth, who, if I am correct, is listed as an or on the depth chart starting as a tight end. I think Ben's got too many weapons. I think the secondary is really good. I wish that Bud Dupree was still there. This would be an easy pick for me. Connor, am I crazy? I think you're a little crazy, but mainly <laughs> that's because you're going against me because I, I have the Bills making the Super Bowl Do this you? year. I have them losing, but I think if Josh Allen continues on his path, which, I mean, regression is probably likely. I look at it as a Lamar Jackson kind of thing, like the year one to year two Lamar where he's still a great player, but it's like not near as good. That's what that's my prediction for Josh Allen. I, I definitely – that's in the realm of possibility. I, I could see that definitely happening. Uh, I wouldn't enjoy it because – I, I have some placements, but um, I I am not super confident in the Steelers, to be honest. And I don't think this is a great first matchup for them. Okay. I agree the secondary is very good, but I think Big Ben's going to take a little bit of time to get back into uh, the groove of things this, this year. Vikings-Bengals, Minnesota's favorite in this one. A um, little bit of a snooze fest there. I don't understand, at least in terms of fantasy, why so many people have given up on Al- Adam Thielen because I still think he's a really good player. Got Jefferson, you got Cook. Um, the Bengals are going to score a ton of points, but they're not going to win a lot of games, and they're not going to win this one. Uh, I agree. I think Minnesota's pretty locked into a W this week. Uh, I, I think the issue that I at least see with Adam Thielen, and it's more from a fantasy perspective, is I think you're going to see some touchdown regression from him. That's a good point. That's, that's going to bring his value down. Uh, but you look at this team, there's weapons for Kirk Cousins. Again, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. Uh, but that's not enough to hold them back from beating a Bengals team that is still coming together. It's a team that's going to be below 500, so Kirk Cousins is going to dominate them until exactly. he, he comes across the 8-8, eight and eight, I don't know, Colts, and then gets destroyed. Uh, I just can't wait until he loses the job to Kellen Mond in Week 7. That's a good point. Uh, but I have the Vikings in this one. Do you, Connor? I've got the Vikings. Zimmer has made the playoffs and doesn't make the playoffs every other year. So <laughs> apparently they'll make the playoffs this year. Oh, all right. I like that. Um, 49ers-Lions, again, another snooze fest. San Francisco's only favored by 7.5. I understand Lions are a little bit different in the NFL from college football. But I, I get that. But uh, I guess a 7.5-point line means that Trey Lance will have to wait a couple more weeks to grace his presence. I, they have a package for him, from what I understand, that we might see. Uh, but Jimmy G's not going to have a problem being 1-0, I think, and holding on to his job. Yeah, there, there's there's no chance the Lions win here. I love Dan Campbell. I think he's going to be great. Uh, but I there's you're not going to – that roster is not good at all. Not loving what I'm seeing out of Detroit. Bad, bad look, I think, for – I think DeAndre Swift's a good player. I, I do, too. And I think – I like Jeff Okuda. I think there are some valuable pieces. I like the defensive line. There are some players on that team that will be on the next good Detroit Lions team. There are not a lot of them. I think San Francisco, as we talked about in recent weeks, is competing to make the playoffs. I think they blow them out of the water. I'll tell you something else. This goes back to the conversation we had last week. Lions are going to be bad. Everybody knows that. Terrible quarterback class, like Daniel alluded to. It's like JT Daniels or bounce back from Sam Howell. So Jared Goff is probably going to get two years. Malik Willis. How, how bad do we expect Goff to be this year? Not good at all. I just like, he was pedestrian. He was top 15 with a great offensive line at the beginning because he had Whitworth and guys like that. The best, one of the best stretches from a running back in NFL history before Todd Gurley got yep. riddled with arthritis. Two really good tight ends. Sean McVay, Robert Woods. 
Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup. And here you've got, I mean, Kennedy Galladay's gone. Marvin Jones is gone. I'm drafting Amon Ross St. Brown in every fantasy draft that I can <laughs> just because he's a young option and they don't have any other receivers. Who's, who's, who's the there? number one? Tyrell, Wilson. Yeah, Tyrell, Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams, who they who got from the Raiders. perfectly familiar with. Yeah, who is great when he's healthy, but he had four touchdowns in four games before he got hurt, but that was with Derek Carr. And laugh at me all you want, he's miles clear of Jared Goff, especially out of his camp with the Rams, and he's on a terrible contract, so he's probably just going to get cut. Remember when we thought we were getting two top ten quarterbacks out of that draft? Oh, gosh. Top two picks, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. I remember Rams fans, and obviously I like to poo-poo the Rams because they broke my heart in St. Louis, thinking that the Jared Goff extension was a good idea. No, absolutely not. All right, so Lions take a big L in week one. Uh, this, to me, as I look at the other 1 p.m. matchups, I think is my favorite, Titans-Cardinals. Um, I think a lot's going to be answered in terms of the Titans passing game. I think they're going to throw the ball more. Surely you have to when you bring in Julio. I understand they lost their number three. They lost Jonu Smith. Um, but I think they're going to throw the mo ball more against Arizona. And then in Arizona, you've got so many interesting weapons um, in that passing game. You've got one of the Moors, whose name escapes me. Rondale. Rondale. You've got A.J. Green, who I think is still worthwhile as a route runner. Obviously, D-Hop. Obviously, Christian Kirk. Um, and the weapons that, from a team that has made tries defensively, but I don't think is quite there yet. I think both teams are going to throw the ball a lot. I've got this one down, uh, Connor, as a Tennessee victory. There are people, and I think you're one of Was it you that picked the Cardinals to win the division? I don't think so. I did not pick the Cardinals okay. to win the division, no. Okay, somebody last year picked the Cardinals to win the division. The Logan? And it's games no, Logan picked the Rams. It's games like these with a tough, I was going to say non-conference schedule, tough non-division schedule that pile up losses I think that the Cardinals can't overcome. Now, the flip side of that, if you beat the Titans, obviously I'm wrong, but I just don't see them beating Tennessee. I think I hope this game's a shootout. I hope it's a real <laughs> fun one to watch because I hope they're slinging it back and forth. And I think Derrick Henry, we're obviously not going to see as great of a season as he's been doing. It's just statistically not probable at this time. But I think the Cardinals, I'm excited about this year. Uh, they'll probably finish third or fourth in their division just because they're a tough, tough division overall. But I've got the Titans as well here. I think uh, they're just overall better coach, to be honest. That's uh, I mean, Brayboro's a better coach than Kingsbury. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm assuming it's going to be Isaiah Simmons that goes box to box to do what he can to strike, slow down Derrick Henry. I don't think I don't see them having the front seven to slow him down. I don't either. And I was about to say, Daniel, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going to have his job at the end of the year. That's certainly possible. I'm relatively high on this team, despite the deficiencies that I see. I think there's a reason they're as competitive in this division as they are, and I think it is in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. I think you, if Cliff Kingsbury is losing his job at the end of the year, I think it's if this team falls short of the playoffs. I think it's that high of a bar based on the talent they have. And I think that I, I just, does Kingsbury like fell up though? Does he get like a GM position? He now? keeps. He's already done it. He's just he's an offensive coordinator. He got this job off of what four and eight at Texas Tech. <laughs> well, he got this job off of Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, it's he's a he's an offensive coordinator. Like him, his next job should be as the OC of the Raiders or something. I just it's just head coach of the West Virginia Mountaineers. No, all right, another tantalizing one p.m. matchup. I need to stop saying I've said tantalizing a lot today. I need to expand my it's vocabulary. I need to hit the dictionary. It's tantalizing. Colt Seahawks. Seahawks, I have winning this division. 
Colts I have second, but making the postseason because their Titans are going to win. Um, the Seahawks are going to throw the ball a lot more this year. I really like their tandem of wide receivers. Um, obviously, Russ, I, I think a lot of people would not shy away from saying he's an MVP candidate. The Colts are going to be ridiculous. Carson Wentz is going to play, by the way. They're going to be ridiculous running the football because me being so smart of myself last year when they drafted Jonathan Taylor, at least in terms of fantasy, I was huge on Marlon Mack. And I want to say I wasn't wrong based on how they used him in those first couple of drives before he got hurt and was out for the season. But Mack, Hines, Taylor, all there for Carson Wentz just to hand the ball off to. Some play action. They're going to be without um, uh, Hilton, T.Y. Hilton. So Michael Pittman's going to be their wide receiver number one, which is a little bit of a concern for me. I don't know, Daniel, where I break on this one. I think this is the closest we have to a toss-up. I think it's definitively Seattle, really? in my opinion. I think uh, with what they've put together, the potency that they have on offense, I get that the Colts have a very good defense, obviously spearheaded by Darius Leonard, but I see them having a hard time stopping Seattle in this game. I think it'll be competitive for the majority of this game, but I don't think with Carson Wentz you're going to have an Indianapolis offense that can keep up. I'll tell you this, Connor. I think the Colts, as much as I like them as a playoff team, are potentially house of glass. Daniel's got a good point, which if they lose by 17 to the Seahawks, I think that could begin a downward spiral. I don't think that's going to happen. But if Carson Wentz falls behind in a game in which Russell West Wilson, excuse me, I almost said Westbrook, puts up 28 points in the first half and you're two scores behind entering the third quarter and he just can't come back, that sounds a lot of alarms for the Colts. Again, I don't see that happening, but if that were the case, I could see that being a tremendous problem for Indianapolis. I have the Seahawks here, but like every game, the Seahawks in the beginning playing really weird games. They uh, yeah. keep it close. So it's, it'll probably be a seven-point game or a three-point game coming down to the wire. But I think the Colts, honestly, you said – I don't remember the exact way you said it, but a glass castle or something glass like that. Glass house. Glass house. Um, excuse me. But a glass house, I could see them falling apart. I believe there's a couple key players like Darius Leonard aren't even vaccinated at this point, and just with the rules the NFL have set, that's going to be – most likely an issue. So I, I think the Colts, and honestly that whole division, is there's going to be a team just kind of limping to the playoffs. I think it only takes like nine or ten wins to win that division overall. So the next game we'll move on to Chargers-Washington. I just I don't understand all the hype that the Chargers were getting coming into the season, especially with matchups like this on their schedule. I talk about regression. I think the same is going to be true for Herbert. I understand they get guys back on their defense, but Washington, they're going to have a lot of weapons, Daniel. There are some reports uh, coming out today from Ron Rivera talking about a player who I think is wide receiver three on the depth chart called Deami Brown, um, not to mention Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson and then uh, Logan Thomas, not Logan Moore, our staffer. Washington's good. This game is flat out even. It's at Washington, and I have the football team in this one pretty definitively because I think Justin Herbert's going to get roughed up I think they're going to shoot gaps and not allow him to dump off the ball to Austin Eckler near as much. Um, these are the games, I think, like I said, that are going to keep the Chargers from the playoffs and keep them from this return to grace. With I understand Jerwin James and Joey Bosa are both healthy. They're back on that defense. But these are the games that are going to keep them from making the postseason. I would have to agree with you. And if you remember right, I have Washington in the Super Bowl. These are the types of games that they have to win, I would say, to get to that point, just like these are the games that if – the Chargers lose, they're running into trouble down the line. I like Washington in this game. Like you said, 
I think Montez Sweat and Chase Young are going to wreak havoc in this game for Justin Herbert. I think the weapons, even if Curtis Samuel doesn't play for Washington, are there's a lot of them is basically what I'm trying to get at. There's a lot of pieces uh, for Ryan Fitzpatrick to find in the passing game, as well as Antonio Gibson getting out in space. I think this is a team that's only going to get better as the season goes on, but week one I still really like them in this matchup. I have the football team as well. I think it's a difficult matchup for the offensive line. Even though they upgraded it, it's just a, it's a hard front seven to go against. And I think I like Justin Herbert again this year, and I want to see what Brandon Staley can do for that defense. But it is a matter of health, to be honest. Derwin James hardly is on the field most of the time. I spent uh, a decent amount of time looking at the acquisitions made through the draft and free agency as well from Matt Rule and his Panthers. They take on the Jets week one. Nobody in this room, I think, is picking against Carolina. But my question to you, Connor, I guess, is you look at everything about this team, and I like it. I like this young defense. I like DJ Moore and Curtis, the guys that they have at wide receiver. I love Christian McCaffrey. It's obviously the question of Sam Darnold. The Panthers are going to win this game. If I tell you, hey, this is Luke from the future on Monday, Sam Darnold throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and they win by two scores, do you start to fuel a little bit of fire in Panthers camp, or am I Chris crazy? I think people get very excited after this game for Sam Darnold, and I think you know it might be kind of like a revenge game in a way for him. But I think I you got to uh, temper expectations after this game. You're but right. I think they, they should win it. They should win by two touchdowns. He's got plenty of more weapons. I'm not huge on Darnold at all this year. I think uh, Brady has is, is got his hands full there, to be honest. I think a lot has happened in his time in New York. But Panthers should win easily. If they don't, we've got some bigger issues. I'll tell you what, Daniel. You beat the Jets week one. Then you got the Saints. That's an L. But then you've got Texans, Cowboys, I'm not sold on, Eagles, Vikings, winnable game-ish. Giants, winnable game, divisional rival, Falcons. Winnable game if they're not any good at that point. I mean, if Pitts is a monster, they could potentially be a team that could be the playoffs. I mean, there's four, five, six, seven winnable games for the Carolina Panthers, and I think this is almost like their LIU, where if you could get a tune-up against a bad Jets team, you could pull some momentum into the rest. I mean, you're about to get floored by the Saints, but you could put some momentum in the rest of the season. Uh, that's certainly possible, I think. You could see this Panthers team pick up steam, be in the wild card conversation going into the final week of the season, and really set themselves up for next year. I don't see this as a playoff team this year, but if there's still that glimmer of hope going into the last couple of weeks, I think you can really get some buzz going behind Matt Rule, going behind this reshaped roster. Uh, obviously, you've got one of the most talented players in the league in your backfield. I really like Robbie Anderson with Sam Darnold. I really like that combination throwing the ball down the field. And then, of course, you've got DJ Moore to go across the middle and do all of that for you. And he's a threat uh, vertically as well. So offensively, I like what this team has. If it comes together on the defensive side of the ball, I'd be pretty happy. Last game to talk about in this segment before we take a quick break and look at games later in the afternoon, Connor, Jaguars, Texans. Uh, and like I mentioned, this being somewhat of a tune-up game for the Panthers in, in the sense of getting the Trevor Lawrence era started in Jacksonville, obviously. Uh, no more J.J. Watt on that Texans front line or Jadavian Clowney. So I think there's a pretty good chance of them keeping him upright in that game, has more opportunities to spread the ball around the field and hook up with more receivers, although I hope he hooks up with uh, LaVisca Chenault a fair amount for my fantasy team. James Robinson is there. The Texans and the Lions are going to battle it out as to who the worst team in the NFL is going to be. 
Uh, what's an acceptable stat line for Trevor Lawrence at the end of this game? And I'm assuming you're picking Jacksonville to win. I am picking Jacksonville. It's probably the most boring game of, of Sunday. But I'll say 200-plus yards and three touchdowns. All right. Maybe one interception. I hope not an interception, but it's definitely possible. Daniel, same question to you. I don't think it matters what Trevor Lawrence does this week. Yeah. To be completely honest, I, I think if you make the right throws, you don't turn the ball over a bunch. I, I don't mean for a game. win. I mean, what's an acceptable line to see? Trevor Lawrence is the guy. I don't know. Duval doesn't matter at all. I don't know that it matters as long as he doesn't. Because I mean, he could come out and throw four picks and get his. That's what head I was about to say. In. As long as he doesn't throw multiple interceptions, I, I don't really care what he does. This this game has little meaning. This season has little meaning for Jacksonville. So life has little meaning in Jacksonville right now. Bet has on it, the future. Has it ever? Oof. On that note, we'll take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the 4 o'clock game, Sunday night football, and the Raiders in Monday night football. All that and more coming your way as the sports page continues. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. This Saturday, September 11th, U92 The Moose is proud to present for the very first time live play-by-play of West Virginia University Mountaineer football on 91.7 FM and U92TheMoose.com. At 2 p.m., the Touchdown City tailgate takes over the airwaves, getting you ready for the day in college football at home and around the country. At 4 o'clock, we'll have live pregame coverage from Milan Pushkar Stadium with Jacob Janoski, Liam Bellin, and Logan Moore ahead of a 5 p.m. kickoff between the Mountaineers and the Long Island University Sharks. Daniel Woods and Luke Wiggs have the play-by-play as the Mountaineers look for win number one on the season. Don't miss it for the first time ever. Live play-by-play of West Virginia football on 91.7 FM and U92TheMoose.com. Year two of Mountaineer soccer under Dan Stratford can be heard all season long on U92. Tune in 30 minutes before every home game and select road games as we bring you comprehensive coverage of the Mountaineers on the pitch. U92 is also the only place for talk sports radio dedicated specifically for men's and women's soccer. Find the kickabout with host Liam Bellin every Wednesday night from 7 to 8. 91.7 FM presents Mountaineer Soccer Live, a service of U92 Sports. The soulful sounds of the blues from Memphis to Kansas City. Across the country and around the world. Hear the distinctively American music that inspired generations of rock and roll and much more. On the Blind Alley, every Sunday morning. At the corner of Sacred and Profane, it's the Blind Alley on U92 The Moose every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Make U92 your home for WVU women's soccer. Sagala crosses it inside. Sibley with the touch. Sibley scores. Isabella Sibley with her second goal in the series. 
she scored her first goal last week in the 86th minute, and today it's the 84th. We'll have coverage of every WVU home match and select road matches, along with comprehensive coverage on the kickabout every Wednesday night. 91.7 FM, the best place for all things women's soccer on Mountaineer Soccer Live. Into the 18, passes it to the top of the 18. Godfrey with the shot. It's saved by Keza Massey. Oh my goodness, what a save from the keeper. As the novel coronavirus continues to spread, please keep in mind the three C's, continuous contact with others, crowds, and close spaces. Maintain physical distancing to at least six feet from others outside of your immediate family and friends circle. Increasing the physical distance between individuals reduces transmission of the virus. You can learn more at coronavirus.wvu.edu. The mountains, land of the golden blue. That's gotta be my favorite hue. Pugs ain't playing, he gonna be staying. Ain't got wandering eyes like them other guys. Take that, amazing blue. All up north with you. We keep winning. winning. Your bank account be thinning. Thanks for the checks. Them buyouts can be heck. Spending your money. We all think it's funny. We all right. Welcome we back. Rest in peace to a real one, the Eric and Kevin show. Connor, where are you from again? Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay, so you have no idea the context of in Morgantown, which is a spoof of uh, Empire, Empire State, State of Mind. Mind. Shout out to my county, home of the mountains, Kevin Connolly. Is that a YouTube video? It's a, a morning show that used to be okay. here that, that was recorded for. It is a piece of Morgantown history. We're probably going to Essentially get in, the reason that I'm in radio. We're, pro- <laughs> we're probably going to get in trouble for playing that, but I'm here for it. Adam Etris is going to be banging on the door of the station. <laughs> Eric McGuire is just going to pick you off with a hunting rifle from <laughs> several doors down. All right. I didn't leave us as much from time three as... three doors like, down? Hey... I took a walk around the world to use my troubled mind. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I didn't leave us as much time as I wanted to, but we still got more games to talk about. Is this the biggest game of the uh, day, Connor? Browns-Chiefs is the one we'll talk about next. Uh, that, if I'm correct, is Aaron Adams' AFC Championship matchup. Uh, it is not mine. I think mine was Bills-Chiefs, to be fair. Um, but to me, I think this is the most interesting game. The Browns are Patrick McCabe's uh, Super Bowl team. Ew. Yeah, kind of shocking. But anyway. He's from Philadelphia. Man. Yeah. Where did that come from? MVP pick, MVP pick was uh, Baker Mayfield out of left field. <laughs> Big crazy. Browns guy. That's anyway, biggest game of the weekend for sure. Four o'clock slots, honestly amazing. Kind of mm-hmm. shocking, to be honest. But I think this is huge. I mean, we, we want to see how the offensive line does in Kansas City. I think it'll be improved. I mean, you really only have Miles Garrett. We'll see how Clowney does. But you really got to focus on him. I think you have plenty of time. But I want to see, honestly, that defense on, on the Brown side. I want to see how that secondary holds Speedy, up. Speedy, man. I Ward's it's, back there. Oof. It's going to be a difficult time, but I think they can show their chances and show that they have improved this offseason. And Baker Mayfield just needs to be a game manager this year, to be honest. I mean, let Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt go crazy. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Starting 11, by the way, just announced for the United States national team in a uh, Olympic qualifier. We'll get to that if we have time later on in the broadcast. Uh, Daniel, heavy Kansas City for me. Though my problem with the Browns is you've got an aged Jarvis Landry and an aging Odell Beckham. I like the Browns this year to do good things. Um, I like, obviously, the tandem in the backfield. I think Baker's fine. He's gotten better every year. Defense is great. I mentioned Denzel Ward uh, picking up Jadavian Clowney was big in the offseason. They've got depth at linebacker, by the way. Um, 
I just too much for Kansas City. Offensive line's insane. I know you said you didn't like you thought that maybe people overhyped that a little bit too much in the offseason. I think that was you. Uh, but I love Miko Hardman to have a good year. Clyde Edwards are there to bounce back as well, and Kansas City's going to win comfortably. I agree. I think, save for a Donovan Peoples-Jones breakout, I don't know where the ball's going in the passing game for the Browns because unless Odell Beckham Jr. bounces back in a big way, I don't see Jarvis Landry being all that much of a downfield threat. So I'm not sure where all the hype is coming for Baker Mayfield this year just because I don't think he's got the weapons. Obviously, you've got one of the best one-two punches at running back in the entire league, uh, but going beyond that and the defense – I don't really know what you have. Here's what we're going to do really quickly. I'm going to throw out two names, and you tell me who the better quarterback is. Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill. Quarterback? Yeah. Baker Mayfield. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would go Mayfield as well. Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr. Baker Mayfield. Carr. Okay. All right. So, what, 14th? If you're doing a list right now, Baker? Probably. Somewhere in that range. All right. There you go. Uh, Dolphins, Patriots. I think Tua is going to have a good second year. I think this is an opportunity for the Dolphins to steal one early before the Patriots get going, what they want to get going. I think Jacoby Myers and Johnny Smith are going to be fine. Mac Jones, by the way, named as a starter. We didn't mention that next week in case you did, you missed it. Cam Newton's cut, but he said his football days are not over. He's got a lot of games left in him. Patriots at Gillette are favored by three, so it's basically a pick em, and I'm picking the Dolphins. I think this can, game can go either way, but I'm – beyond excited about this one besides the chiefs um the chiefs game and the browns game i think this is my second favorite game of the weekend i want to see how Tua plays i want to see how mac jones plays that defense on the patriots side could be a top five defense if the, the pieces all gel together and gilmore comes back and then that dolphins team i mean is is a well-rounded team offensively and defensively and i i agree i think the dolphins need to win this game to get a jump on them especially with a uh QB that's never started in the NFL before. I've missed out on the last couple of weeks of the Jerome Baker drama. I'm assuming he's playing. I had that contract dispute with them. I'll have to look into that. Uh, but still, I'm sticking with the Dolphins. I would as well. I, I, I'm a big fan of Brian Flores as the head coach of this team. I think they've got some big things going forward, and I think I'm going to like what they're able to do. All right, that's Dolphins. Patriots haven't seen anything recently from Jerome Baker, but it's, so it looks like he's going to play. Packers Saints. High-scoring affair here, Shirley. Devontae Adams basically came out and said today that there is no chance he's going to resign. I think the same can be said for Aaron Rodgers, which makes this kind of a last dance for Packers fans out there. As our resident Packers fan, Connor Taylor, is this a must-win? You've got first game ever against LASIK James, uh, Jameson. Um, Jameis, what am I talking about? Uh, and Alvin Kamara. Um, but no Michael Thomas. No Jared Cook anymore either. Marquez Callaway is going to be their number one. I mean, Alvin Kamara is going to lead him in targets, but then Marquez Callaway. Is this must win for the Packers? I don't know if I would call it must win. I think they should win this game because I just think that NFC North overall isn't going to be strong enough where I think they could drop one or two and have that kind of buffer. No Bakhtiari, right? No, he's yes. I think he's weeks. on the pup. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think six least, weeks. Yeah, at least. six weeks. Um, I think it – the interesting storyline was Sean Payton basically picking Jacksonville because Rodgers apparently is like, I believe it was like three and four in, in Florida recently. And then there's other factors like they didn't believe fans, Packers fans would go there. And <laughs> they, he also didn't want to go to the Buccaneer Stadium because then the Bucks fans would show up and cheer against them. A lot of weird factors. And I think one, 
when you overthink stuff like that, I think you lose. So, all right, uh, Daniel, your thoughts. I like the Packers here as well. I don't necessarily buy Jameis until I see him, and he doesn't have a true number one option at receiver. Obviously, you have Kamara there. Mm. Uh, but without Michael Thomas, again, it's Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith. That's not exactly going to generate a lot of buzz from me. So I like Green Bay. Again, as long as the chemistry comes together with Rodgers like it seems to be doing, I think the Packers take this one potentially going away. Also, Tony Jones, remember the name. Uh, Broncos Giants, um, yuck! Probably the least interesting game this week. I really don't think the Broncos are going to win. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a perfectly fine game manager, but I think Daniel Jones is going to be decent here if he can stay upright. Obviously, against the pass rush for the Broncos. Obviously, if the Broncos want to take that step, this is a game they need to win. If they wanted to push the needle more, they'd start Drew Locke because he's somebody that can get downfield. But it's evident to me that they want these to be low-scoring affairs, and it's an over-under of 42, which I think is right on the money. That even then, in MetLife, I've got the Giants on this one. You know, I played some Madden today. I know Madden analysis isn't always the greatest, but I played as a Giants, did random. Let me tell you, Madden has Daniel Jones probably, like, second compared to Lamar Jackson in, like, mobility oh, yeah, outside the ball. It's Him insane. And Kyler, I mean, they just fly around. You're absolutely right. It's insane. I have the Giants as well, but I think the Broncos are going to have a pretty good season. They're just in a difficult position overall, and I agree. Teddy Bridgewater is a game manager. He's not going to be able to get it done tomorrow, and I think Daniel Jones can do enough tomorrow to get the win. Not yeah. a big win, though. And another thing that's weird is I thought that Williams was going to run away with his backfield, but Melvin Gordon's still the starter. I, go, I know that they're going to split times, but I just don't think that's the greatest thing. Uh, Luke, we talked. I believe I ran this stat by you at one point earlier in the week, and this comes from uh, Gump Cathcart from the Pat McAfee Show, of course, uh, who is one of the hosts of their their Hammer the Down podcast. Uh, Denver's favored by two and a half in this game. Teddy Bridgewater, as a starting quarterback against the spread, is thirty six and fourteen on the road against the spread. He's twenty one and three, and the Giants are zero and four straight up and against the spread in their last four week ones. History says take the Broncos, so I'm taking the Broncos. All right, fair enough. Terry, Teddy Bridgewater on the Broncos, not uh, the Saints or the Panthers. Or you're, you're still fine with putting yeah. your eggs in that basket. Absolutely. All right. Sunday night football is, in my estimation, going to be worse than Thursday night football. Not a great start to the season with the Bears' defense against the L.A. Rams. The only thing that becomes intriguing about this game for me, Daniel, is there's a world where Andy Dalton just has nothing in the bag of tricks to keep the Bears competitive in this game. He gets blown up by Brockers and Donald. Ramsey shuts down uh, Robinson, and Justin Fields makes an appearance in the second half of this game for the Bears. A lot of people want it to happen. You look at Chicago throughout the entire preseason, they were putting Andy Dalton in situations to fail, so that decision could be made for them and they could bring in Justin Fields. It will happen this season. If it doesn't happen now, it's not going to happen until they play the Raiders in week five. And if it doesn't happen then, it's not going to happen until like week 10. Is there a chance that we have a Justin Fields sighting? Because the thing about this Rams side is, love Woods, love Cuck, love their tight ends. Um, Matthew Stafford, in case you're wondering for another kind of out there MVP pick, this one I'm kind of here for though. Logan Moore said that Matt Stafford is his MVP for the season, which, all right, I'm here for it because I love Matty Stafford, but I hate the Rams. Uh, Is Justin Fields playing in this game? 
as long as Andy Dalton is healthy and this is not a three-touchdown game in either way, I don't think we see Justin Fields. I don't think in a competitive scenario you're going to see Matt Nagy expose a rookie quarterback to Aaron Donald. I know that Matt Nagy's on the hot seat. I know that he has to show some kind of proof of concept, but he's not that dumb, I don't think. Uh, so at least in my opinion, with that front for the Se- or Seattle Rams, where did that come from? For uh, yes, the Seattle Rams. <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams, led by Aaron Donald coming straight up the middle. I don't care how mobile Justin Fields is. We saw it with DJ Uyunglele, and obviously the NFL is different. We saw it with DJ Uyunglele against Georgia. We saw it with Jared Daigie against Maryland. It's really hard to get away from interior pressure, no matter how fast you are. I think as long as Andy Dalton is healthy, and this is not a blowout, he plays all four quarters. All right. uh, Who are you pecking in this game? I like the Rams in this one. It's a similar situation. Uh, Bears fans will harken back to was was Mike Glennon and Mitch Trubisky, and Glennon played for a little while before Six Trubisky. Weeks, right? Yeah, before Trubisky took over. That panned out. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but uh, even as bad as Trubisky was, Glennon was worse, and Bear fans would like to say they'd like to have Trubisky sooner. Uh, Connor, who wins this game, and who's the quarterback to take the last snap for the Bears? If the if the hype is real what's happening in Los Angeles. The Rams need to win this game by two touchdowns. They have to, yeah. And I think Andy Dalton stays the quarterback for this game the entire time. And I think around the second quarter, we end up just talking about the stadium and fans <laughs> and how beautiful it is. Oh, this is this first game with fans so far? I believe so. Yes. Ugly stadium. You th- really think Disgusting. so? Here's the thing. And again, I hate, I, I'm biased, hate the Rams, whatever. Uh, the Death Star... Allegiant in Vegas, twice as nice, half as expensive. It was two billion for Allegiant, four billion for SoFi. I think it's gross. I don't know what those weird rod things are that are in the ceiling. I'm not here for it. It's shaped weird. I know it's supposed to be shaped like the Ram, and then they do away with that Rams logo, and then they pick have the monstrosity horn on the LA. I don't like it. I, what do you think, Daniel? I think it's gross. I'm not a fan. I think it's. I think their branding... It's very, it's very modern art. I think their branding is awful. I think their jerseys look like playing cards. I think the new LA logo is terrible because the Ram... Oh, it's a clean look. You had that old gold, dark blue St. Louis. I know they wanted to distance themselves and go back to the regular gold of LA, that, that UCLA kind of thing. Stadium's gross. Jersey's gross. The team was gross with Jared Goff. I know they got to the Super Bowl. I get it. I, want, I really want Matt Stafford to do well. I'm glad we've hashtag free Stafford... I wish it wasn't in L.A. I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to win this game. I also am going to be the first person to say that Fields plays in this game, but uh, anything to add? I, I know you hate the Rams, Luke, but I guess through your hatred, would you admit that uh, Sean McVay is like a top three? Oh, he's fantastic. Good-looking coach. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got Gruden one. No. Um, I, you know, in terms of – I tr- mean, Mark Davis is the best-looking man in football. <laughs> I can't think of very many more attractive. What Matt Lafleur is a he's a he's an okay looking guy. Is he yeah, not? I feel like him. Maybe Kingsbury. Kingsbury. Who else? Bruce Arians. No. Um, Riverboat Ron has that that kind of Doc Ock thing going on. I don't yeah, know. I if like Matt Rule wasn't five foot three, he'd have a rugged. He'd have a ruddiness to him. <laughs> he'd have no. A this is a lumberjack up here. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. College game day on Saturday. After Charlotte beats Duke on Friday night, that, sorry Connor. No, it's all right. Bad weekend. They uh they have 
Will Healy, the coach at Charlotte, on along with Matt Rule, who had spoken to the Charlotte team in the locker room before the game that night, and they've got uh, they've got them inter- being interviewed. Uh, oh, I on like this. like high top table chairs or like bar stools or something, and Matt Rule is having to like swing his legs on the chair, like his his swing his little legs above the floor <laughs> because they won't reach the they won't reach the <laughs> carpet. Uh, yes, John McVay, top five coach in the NFL, top three most good-looking coach in the NFL. And who's coming that way soon? Like, out of college. Harbaugh's not a very good-looking man. Jim Harbaugh's getting an NFL job. Luke Fickle's not a very good-looking man. Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald. Neil Brown. (laughs) The coach of the Tennessee Titans. Skip Holtz. Lou Holtz. Um, All right. Last game to talk about. Dan Mullen. (laughs) Dave Aranda. Jeff Mullen. Dave Aranda's an okay-looking guy. Um, Ravens, Raiders, Monday Night Football. Uh, Good for the Raiders to start. They had Monday Night Football week one last year, did they not? No, that was week two. They beat the Saints. Um, They play the Ravens. Here's my thought on this. I'm scared to death with the J.K. Dobbins Justice Hill news because what that means to me is Lamar Jackson is going to take it within himself to run more. I don't want that. The Raiders just cut Tanner Muse, who was that speedy linebacker safety hybrid from Clemson, who I thought could be a sideline-to-sideline guy and be a good tight end cover. By the way, third-round pick completely wasted because he missed his rookie season with a broken toe, and then they cut him. I don't know. Um, But you don't think former Mountaineer Nick Kwiatkowski can chase Lamar down in the open field? No. Uh, There's a lot of things Nick Kwiatkowski can do well. That is not one of them. Um, And then you've got Corey Littleton and Ben Morrow. So it's just, you know, Raiders pass rushes improved. I will go to my grave fighting that I think Tom Cable is going to make this offensive line just fine. I think Leatherwood is fine. I think Richie Incognito is fine. Colton Miller's really good. Andre James is going to be fine. Like Jacobs, like Drake. That was a sneaky little pick that not a lot of people liked that's turned out pretty well. What's that? Colton Miller. I agree. He was terrible his rookie season. Everybody thought great. that was a reach, but it's it's starting to come around. Morig, I'm excited. I uh, I didn't realize how speedy he was oh, as yeah. a safety. Man, the guy can fly. He covers ground. Here's the thing. For the sake of me as a Raider fan... I'm going to manifest it and say we win. We're not going to win. Um, the Raiders need to keep this within a touchdown for me to have any hope of them making the postseason, but for the sake of manifesting a victory, I've got the Raiders in this one. Um, Marquise Brown's going to play, but he hasn't practiced for a while. He's a big concern. Um, I, for your DFS guys, I think he's going to be an absolute problem. Sammy Watkins, target share. What? I don't know if you want to <laughs> live in a world where Sammy Watkins gets 12 targets. Mark Andrews season, maybe. Um, Mark Andrews extension, by the way. Yeah, overpaid. What do you think, Connor? I would say overpaid. I don't think he does that much, to be honest. What is it, four years, 56? Yeah. Um, by the way, over under in this game, just out of curiosity, seven touches Le'Veon Bell. Is he playing? He's on the practice squad. Okay, so he's not going to play right now. Okay, well, the answer is When does he play? Like week three or before week three? Because they, I know the guy they signed, I could, it was Trent, was it Trent? Not Trent Cannon. Was it Trent Cannon? The other running back that they signed. Their number two is Tyson Williams. No, they signed somebody else today. I mean, you're right. It is Tyson Williams. Who's the other running back they signed? One moment, please. Uh, while he looks that up. it's Trent Cannon sounds okay. legit. I'm manifesting a Raiders win in this one, I, but it's unlikely. Connor, your thoughts? I think Ravens win, but I think they're very close to falling off. Because here's the thing. Alicia Stadium is beautiful. Black Hole comes back, and Raiders have beaten the Steelers and Chiefs in years past with some terrible teams in front of that crowd. 
They beat the Saints in their first home game last year in similar fashion. Obviously, you don't have to chase around Drew Brees like you have to chase around Lamar Jackson. There are reasons why the Raiders win this game. I don't think they will, like I said. Was it Trent Cannon? It was Trent Cannon. All right, look at me. Host of the sports page. That's how we do. Tickets $190 if you want to sit in the nosebleeds at Allegiant Stadium. I see Northwestern for two on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I... I'm going to have to give myself a grace period because I want to see a game in this stadium, but like after they CGI'd Al Davis onto the torch for that 30 for 30, and uh, what's the guy's name from the league, that the, the beef between him and uh, the guy from the NFL, that was the other CGI'd character in that 30 for 30. I just don't know if I want to stand where they stood. You could do it. I didn't, this is not a fever dream. They had the... the, the, the I've not uh, seen this I 30 haven't for seen the 30. 30 for 30. You haven't seen it? No, it's no. fantastic. You didn't realize that they CGI'd... What is it about? I knew they CGI'd Al Davis. Uh, and shoot, what is? Uh, all right, I'm gonna have to look it up, Daniel. Art while Modell. I, while I uh, while I put more context into this thirty for thirty, your thoughts on Ravens Raiders? I think the Ravens win this game. I think the Raiders make it competitive. Like you said, I think that reshaped offensive line is going to look good under Tom Cable. Uh, again, I'm saying this for the second or third year in a row. I don't know where the weapons are for Lamar because you lose any kind of pass catching out of the backfield when you lose J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill. Gus Edwards is really just a straightforward between-the-tackles runner, which he's very good at that. But I think you lose an aspect of your offense there. Hollywood Brown, like you said, going to play. Don't know what you're going to get out of him. For the third time that he signed with a new team, I've said this a couple times, word out of training camp was, oh, my gosh, Sammy Watkins looks like he did at Clemson. I've heard that before. Well, Sammy Watkins hasn't looked like he did at Clemson since he was at Clemson. So I, I just don't know – who Lamar Jackson is going to throw the football to in this game. Yeah, especially with not very many capable running backs until – pass-catching running backs until Le'Veon Bell gets healthy. Uh, Pete Rozelle was the name Pete I was searching Rozelle. for. And that is a picture of the CGI'd characters. They had actual actors with wow. CGI'd faces, and they spoke as Al Davis and Pete Rozelle, and they went and stood at the end. They're like, you finally got your stadium, Al. And it's them talking. Terrifying. Why does like Al a- Davis look like Mickey Rourke? It looks like a straight-to-DVD, like, Star Wars movie to me. <laughs> it looks like one of the that's, first that's episodes not, of The Clone Wars. Not Pete, You're right. That's not Pete Rozelle and Al Davis. That's Michael Eisner and Mickey Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend... Shout out to Portsmouth. I would recommend you watch it. It's very good, but that creeped me out. Because they have conversations with each other through actors impersonating them with cgi faces. Anyways, like Remember I said... I feel like we've glossed over CGI Lombardi from the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, oh, it, wow. gross. That was, that was horrifying. Bad. Exactly the same. Same technology, same. That's exactly what it was. But it's for the whole thing. Because what they do is they had these, like, interviews with them sitting in, like, the press box of Allegiant and, like, half of their faces in the shade to, like, help the CGI have its effect. Terrifying. 30 for 30 is great. Because, I mean, I'm obviously not a born and bred Raiders fan. I was a St. Louis Rams fan until Stan Kroenke broke my heart and then became a Raiders fan because I like self-mutilation, I guess. It's our year. We're going to beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Um, that's going to do it for us. We're going to have a brief MLB segment. Jimmy Gaudio just couldn't be bothered to show up tonight, I guess. I hope he's um, okay. I, well, that's true. He could be face down in the ditch right now. You never know. James, uh, the mafia comes to collect. Jimmy, call into the show. <laughs> if you're okay. Triple H, triple seven, sixty-six, forty. Connor, always a pleasure to have you. Um, we'll have more results to talk about, more definitive answers. Uh, thank you for your picks. Yeah, it was, it was fun as always. Ready for week one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had this conversation off the air, by the way. NFL godfather of at least this generation, Mark Schoenster. Wish he was here for this. Um, rest in peace. Pour one out for the Schoenster. Yeah, he's somewhere down in rural Florida. He's not dead. 
He's just calling USL soccer. All right, that's going to do it. the Chattanooga Red Wolves. For this edition of NFL on the Sports Page. We'll be right back, talk a little Major League Baseball after this as you're listening to the Sports Page on U92. This Saturday, September 11th, U92 The Moose is proud to present for the very first time live play-by-play of West Virginia University Mountaineer football on 91.7 FM and U92TheMoose.com. At 2 p.m., the Touchdown City tailgate takes over the airwaves, getting you ready for the day in college football at home and around the country. At 4 o'clock, we'll have live pregame coverage from Milan Pushkar Stadium with Jacob Janoski, Liam Bellin, and Logan Moore ahead of a 5 p.m. kickoff between the Mountaineers and the Long Island University Sharks. Daniel Woods and Luke Wiggs have the play-by-play as the Mountaineers look for win number one on the season. Don't miss it for the first time ever. Live play-by-play of West Virginia football on 91.7 FM and U92TheMoose.com. Many WVU students don't drink, but if you do choose to drink, here are five party smart tips that can prevent you from causing harm to yourself or others. One. Pace your drinks to one or fewer per hour. Two. Alternate alcoholic drinks with non-alcoholic drinks. Water is a great choice and will help you stay hydrated. Three. Set a limit of drinks before you start. Four. Eat before and during drinking. Five. Have a plan to get home safely. For more information, visit the Well WVU website at well.wvu.edu. If you want the new and essential college radio, then look no further than the new music pioneer on 91.7. Every Monday through Thursday from 3 to 6 p.m., Tune in to hear the newest music from up-and-coming artists, along with some of our favorite throwback tracks. That's every Monday through Thursday, 3 to 6 p.m. The New Music Pioneer on U92 FM. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Turn into Nolan. I will. Have you ever heard the original and his name is John Cena prank call video? Yeah. Oh. Hi, can I speak to Champ? <laughs> is Champ who's Champ? That question will be answered Monday night. Oh my oh, word. Classic. That seventh grade Luke Wiggs thought that was the funniest thing ever. All right, Major League Baseball. We got about five minutes here. It might be less than that. Yeah, really. A big game for the Cardinals, by the way. They're beating the Dodgers. They gotta have to start to string together some wins. Um, if they want to make the playoffs. How are things looking in Pittsburgh country these days? Hey, let's not talk about that. Henry Davis going to be back in time to play in the Fall League? 
Potentially. Oblique injury. So there's possibility that he's back pretty soon. There's possibility he's out until next season. All right. Uh, those things go. Two questions for you, and then we'll wrap up this edition of the Sports Pitch. Start in the National League. Atlanta Braves, Philadelphia Phillies. We'll toss the Mets into that list. Brewers, Reds, Cardinals, Giants, Dodgers, Padres. I gave you nine teams. Let's remove the Dodgers and the Padres because they're obvious choices. Give me a roster that you think is very well constructed to win in the postseason. Run those back for me again. Braves, Phillies, Mets. Brewers, Reds, Cardinals, Giants. Hmm. For me, it's the Braves. I was that's what I was gonna say. They're Braves. front heavy with Freed and um, uh, what's his name? The uh, the young guy. The I had him on my fantasy team and traded him to Brendan Jekyll. Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson. Um, and obviously Freddie Freeman and what that offense can do. Um, uh, so I, I guess you would concur. I, I when you've got two Braves. really good starting pitchers. Yeah, the other one I would say is the Brewers just because of their pitching situation. Freddie Peralta as a mid-to-end-of-the-rotation guy is pretty valuable. Then, of course, you've got Burns and Woodruff at the top who are just absolutely absurd as a one-two combination. The lineup, you've got Christian Yelich, who's not playing at an MVP level, but he's still Christian Yelich. Uh, Lorenzo Cain's quietly having a pretty good year. Luis Arias is starting to turn into what we thought he was going to be in San Diego. It's not the best team in the National League by any means. It's a team that certainly can compete in a playoff series, I think, based on the fact that they do have that pitching depth and can go to a Josh Hader or a Devin Williams in a pretty tough spot out of the bullpen. Another quick question for you, putting you on the spot. Can you name the worst five teams in Major League Baseball in run differential? Run differential. Pirates? Yep. Tigers? No, not Tigers. No, 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 no. Diamondbacks? Rangers? Yes. Orioles? Yep. Marlins? No. Minnesota Twins? Twins! How about that collapse, by the that way? That was 62 wild. 77. We have more time to talk about that. I wish we could. All right, same question. American League. Tampa Bay, New York Yankees. Throw the Red Sox in. Toss the Blue Jays. Nah, let's not, let's not do that. Uh, White Sox, Cleveland Guardians, Houston Astros, Mariners, A's. Give me a... <laughs> Well-constructed lineup. Chicago. Yeah, it's an easy answer. It's pretty clear to me. Top to bottom lineup, Rodon's a stud. Kopech's a stud. Giolito's a stud. Similar similar uh, to me in, in terms of what Atlanta can do uh, in terms of the front end of the rotation and their dominance. They've got starters that then can flex back to the bullpen. You've got a guy in Michael Kopech who can come in and give you three innings when need be, which is an absolute weapon in the playoffs. We saw that with the Cleveland Indians a few years ago and Andrew Miller. All right. I think that answers that question. White Sox, by the way. And the Braves, you can continue, conclude that conversation as well. Built for current and future success. That's absolutely right. And they haven't spent an absurd amount of money to get there. Uh, one more question before we clear the airwaves, I guess. Tony La Russa, believe it or not, and all the, the, the turmoils that's been in Chicago has managed them to a first-place finish in a playoff spot. Is Tony La Russa the manager of the White Sox for the next two years? I think yes. I think he's built up enough goodwill, and I think – not necessarily goodwill, but I think he's had enough success and he already has a good enough relationship with the Reinsdorf family that as long as they keep winning games, he's got that job. All right. On that note, that concludes it for another edition of the Sports Page. If you missed part or all of this show, you can listen to it in podcast form. That's right. We are not yet available on iTunes, but anywhere else you get your podcast, including Spotify, this show will be available within the next 30 minutes. There you go. Uh, and we'll put it out on our social media sometime tomorrow as well if we can for the link. That's going to do it for us. 
Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods, Liam Bellin, Logan Moore, Connor Taylor, Ben Mackey, and Patrick McCabe, the voices you heard for the next four hours. I invite you to join us this Saturday at 4 p.m. begins our pregame coverage. Actually, 2 p.m. TCT from 2 to 4, pregame from 4 to 5, and then play-by-play for the first time in U92 history of Mountaineer football. Myself and Daniel Woods in the call. We have Mountaineer women's soccer coming away tomorrow night. Another top 25 matchup as Georgetown comes to town. Myself will be on the call. You don't want to miss that. It's at 7 p.m. And with that being said, you brass bonanza, folks.